Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and I'm joined by Rob Staten of Seahawks Draft Blog, and we're welcoming a special guest to the Field Goals Podcast, Jim Nagy, Executive Director of the Senior Bowl and former scout for the Seattle Seahawks. He spent 18 years as an NFL scout. I want to talk Senior Bowl and scouting, but as a former scout with the Seahawks, Jim, I, I want to start first with your reaction to Sunday's game between the Seahawks and 49ers. Oh, man. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. But, yeah, my reaction is probably the same as uh, the, every other Seahawks fan out there. That was uh, it was disappointing. I mean, there's a range of emotions, really. I mean, how they fought back in, in, uh, in the second half was, you know, it just it shows what Russ and, and, and that team's all about, you know. And just the, they really, it stems from the culture that Pete's built. I mean, you never feel like you're out of a game with that, with that group of guys. But um, so disappointing there at the end, you know, to get to get down to the one yard line, and then the, you know, the delay of game call, and then the non PI call, and then and then uh, Hollister coming up about an inch short. That was uh, it was disappointing because you know I, every NFL team I've worked for, the goal, the main goal to start out every season is to win the division, right? Because you know you win the division, then you're in the playoffs, and and then then you kind of set your goal, reset your goals from there. Obviously, uh, every team wants to win a Super Bowl, but really that first one that everyone's chasing is that division championship. So, you know, I'd heard some things online and read some things that, you know, some fans were hoping they would lose because then they'll go on the road to Philly and, and you know, asking, you know, wishing for certain scenarios. I, I just know from the guys in that building, um, those division championships mean a lot. And uh, so for those guys to fall short of that, I was disappointed for, for that group of guys, but uh you know, what they showed in that second half and the fight they showed with a, a really undermanned football team, that was encouraging. Moving forward, I mean, move, going on to next week, I mean, that's, that's the encouraging thing is that that's a group of fighters. Well, it kind of caps off, though, a pretty incredible season for the Seahawks and some incredible personnel moves by John Schneider this year. You know, re-signing Russell Wilson in the offseason, getting Jadivian Clowney, uh, re-signing Marshawn Lynch for the playoff run. Why don't you think, why doesn't John Schneider get more credit than he does for this team? I don't know. I really don't know. I really don't know. I can't, you know, and I'm obviously very, very biased. Um, John's a, John's a, a really close friend and he was my boss there for five years. Uh, I've known him for over 20 years. He, he gave me my start in scouting um, with the Redskins 20 years ago. So uh, I'm biased, but I think he's the best GM in the league. At the fact that he is who he is and done what he's done over the course of his career, never won an Executive of the Year award is, is uh, unfathomable to me. But, yeah, they, they've, they've put, he's put together a really good team. He, he and the staff, they've got a great scouting department there. And, again, some of the, you know, some of the moves like, the dig trade in midseason to, to bring digs over and there, there's been a lot of little moves like that the Hollister move I mean that ended up being a really big move for the team with all the injuries they've had with uh at the tight end position so yeah John John's as good as uh, what he does as anyone in the league and uh I don't know frankly I don't, I don't know the answer to that question I don't know why he doesn't get get the credit he deserves Jim, can you speak a little bit to the the culture that you referred to earlier? Because it really showed up in the second half yesterday with the way that the team fought back. And it has throughout this, this what has been kind of a reset, moving on from a number of big players over the last couple of years, but re- just retaining their competitive edge, being amongst the top teams in the NFC, being a contender for nearly a decade now. Just how have the Seahawks managed to stay near the top of, of this conference for such a long time? Yeah, Rob, that's a really good question. I do. I think it speaks to the culture. 
Um, and to me, the, the culture is, is all about positivity, you know, open-mindedness. There, there's just, there's such a vibe in that building that, that they're always there to compete. You know, that's, that's the main central theme of the program is always compete. And, you know, everyone's all in, you, you walk out to practice, you tap the sign. And, and again, like it's, it's little things like that, but it really permeates the whole building. There's, there's such a positive mindset there. Uh, it's a great place to show up and go to work every day, whether you're, you know, on the third floor in the business side or on the second floor in coaching or scouting or, or downstairs in the locker room. You know, the, you just feel it. You just, it's just a great vibe there. I've worked at other teams that's not like that everywhere else. So uh, you, you made a great point. They're in it. They're kind of in their second incarnation of this football team and they've moved on from, you know, the team that was built with the Legion of Boom and those guys and they're, they're kind of reinventing themselves. But I think the one thing that stayed consistent is just the whole mindset and the positivity that, that Pete preaches. And, and again, it's, it's, it's throughout the whole building, you know, it's, it's, you know, buying on John's side and, and the scouting staff. I mean, there's such a cohesion and it all just kind of stems from that, that competitiveness and the, the positive mindset. So when you get down in games like that, like last night, they, they just never feel like they're out of it. it it's, it's pretty incredible. And I, I know that, I know that Seattle fans don't take it for granted, but to be, to be at the top, like they've been for, for almost 10 years now, maybe it is 10 years they've been there. But, uh, you know, to be a double-digit win team for a decade in a row, I mean, that's, that's pretty special. What they're, what they're going through right now is pretty special. And, and I think that this is just – they're kind of just scratching the surface of what this current team is going to be two or three years from now after they have a couple more, a couple more strong drafts. So you mentioned you got your start in scouting with the Skins, but you actually got your start in the NFL with the Packers, and you were on a staff there with you know a lot of future talent in the general manager ranks. I mean, you had John Schneider there. He was you know, Reggie McKenzie was there. Scott McLuhan, John Dorsey, Ted Thompson. I mean, how incredible was that to get your start just in in the NFL and be around you know guys like that? Yeah, it was it was really special, and I I don't take it for granted one bit. Um, it was the, one of the best years of my life. I was fresh out of college, 22 years old. And really in, in terms of like a football think tank, it was, uh, it was pretty awesome experience. Again, I, I got started on the PR side because back then there weren't any opportunities to get your foot in the door in scouting in like an intern type position. Now, most teams have two, three, four in-house scouting assistant entry level jobs. Well, you know, they didn't have that back then. So, you know, I got in, in the PR side and, I've told this story before. I, you know, I, all I, I am always indebted to John and, and Reggie McKenzie. They were, they were the two pro scouts at the time. And whenever I got done with my PR work, I was, I was up there bothering those guys and, and knocking on their door and asking them if I could come in and watch tape with them. And they were, they were both great to me. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a special staff. Like you said, you mentioned all those names, all those guys went on to be GM. So yeah, it was, it was incredible, but just as much for the people then you know obviously they wanted to do great things as professionals but that 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 building was filled with a bunch of great people as well so jim we're very close to the senior bowl now what is this period like for you in the in the last sort of two or three weeks leading up to the event yeah it's it's, it's really busy <laughs> it's a crazy time we just jumped out of a staff meeting um again where you know the the main focus is, is, you know, year round is on the is on the roster and getting this roster as good as we can get it for the 32 teams. Um, this game is for those guys, so you know we're just trying to, you know, bring down the best players we possibly can. But as we get closer to the game, you know, we've got so many more events down here that are going on, trying to draw more fans down here and make this more of a fan event than it's ever been. Because I do feel like 
um, you know, the Senior Bowl. And I'm not just saying this because of the chair I'm sitting in now. I've, I've always thought this was an awesome event. But uh, we really, you know, I put it on us. We've under-marketed ourselves to the, to the fan bases. So, um, like, just being at the draft last year, I did some work for ESPN, and I was up in Nashville. And to see what Nashville became in and around the draft, you know, and, and all it was was, you know, they're playing some live music and some concerts and they had some uh, adult beverages flowing all week. And it was it was amazing to see 600,000 people overtake that city. Well, to me, the, the draft is a great event. Obviously, I, I, I got into scouting because I grew up loving the draft. But, you know, when you look at it, it's, it's a kid walking across the stage and holding up a jersey. And there's, there's really no access to the players. And, you know, whereas you come down here to Mobile, the National Football League descends on our city for one week out of the year, anyone that's anyone in the NFL is here. Every, you know, every coach, you know, every general manager. Um, we, I think we credentialed over 900 NFL folks last year. And then uh, you've got all these players. Last year's game, we had 93 guys drafted, which was almost 40% of the draft. We had 10 first-round picks. And these guys are just walking around. You know, I mean, you could have grabbed Baker Mayfield two years ago or, or Gardner Minshew or Daniel Jones or any of these guys you know, over the last years and taking a selfie with them, you know, and then you, you walk up and down, you know, our main drag here, Dolphin Street, and you pop into a bar and there's, you know, John Schneider and, you know, a couple other, you know, a couple of head coaches or guys from the staff. So, I mean, it, we need to get that word out. So really, you know, it's, it's promoting those events. We've got a free concert downtown this year with the Revivalists on Friday night. We're having a Mardi Gras parade Friday night. We're having a, a Senior Bowl Summit, which is like a, a panel style format. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V is going to keynote it this year on Thursday. So we're just trying to create all these other events to, to bring fans down here and kind of, you know, like I said, immerse your, immerse themselves in the NFL culture. So it's re- it's really all those other events outside of the football right now that's that's pulling on me. It sounds like a lot of fun events for the fans, and that is just coming up January 25th, so just a few weeks away, right in between the conference championships, in between the Super Bowl. Next up, I want to talk player selection and recruiting focus on some particular position groups, and we'll do that next. Brandon Schultz here with Rob Staten of SeahawksDraftBlog.com, and we're talking to Jim Nagy, Executive Director of the Senior Bowl. And I'm kind of curious, Jim, what do you tell players when you're recruiting them to play in the game? How important can a good showing be at the Senior Bowl for these players? And what's the process like for selecting guys to play in this game? So I got here, I left the Seahawks in uh, May of 18. So this is going into my second game. The only thing I'd, I've done differently than the, the previous regimes is, you know, we hired a staff last year of, of four former NFL scouts. It was really important for me to have some trusted eyes, you know, out on the road evaluating these players. And these guys were all guys that I've, I've known for a long time that work in the NFL and when you work in football, there's going to be times where you're just going to get caught in the crosshairs. Where you know it doesn't mean you're not good at what you do. You're, we're going through it, you know, here on on Black Monday today. I mean, there's going to be guys that lose their jobs, and it's not because they're not good at what they do. It's just you know they get caught up in a regime change, and they're not you know they're not somebody's guy. You know, they're new. Somebody new comes in, and he wants to bring in his own staff. So I really wanted to create something that you know gave those guys a soft landing spot for a year. You know, and then it would provide great value to the Senior Bowl because they're out there at games every weekend scouting players and helping us build this roster. So it's a, it's a year-long process. Um, when you said talk to the players, we really don't. We really we don't have access to these players. 
So when you're recruiting and we've, you know, what we've done differently is on football Saturdays in the fall, our staff will be at games and they'll be taking videos during pregame. And I pump that out on, on my uh, Twitter handle. You know, it's really to, to give the fans an up close, like right down there on the field, like a really close up vantage point of what these players look like, how they move around. So people that really dig into the draft and love the draft side of it, I mean, you're, you're seeing it through a scout's eyes and seeing what these guys look like and, and, you know, right up close. And that's really, we started posting those videos last year and that really connected us with these players. They see that we're out there. They see that we're watching them. It created a ton of buzz around the game last year. So, you know, there was a lot of years there where, you know, if you were a first and second round pick, those guys weren't coming to, to come into the senior bowl. They felt like they didn't need it. And uh, we, we went from, I think we had three seat, three first rounders, three, four, and three the previous three years to last year. And then last year we had 10. And uh, I think this year we're going to have even more than that. I think there's just a continued buy-in from the players because they see how much value there is to being down here in front of 900 NFL people. And it's, it's really been a mind shift. We're, we're getting these kids to, you know, I think a lot of years agents, for a long time agents were, were talking big name players and they, they're not coming in all-star games. And now these, these, these players want to be a part of it. And they're, they're taking the control back and saying, you know what? Why would I not go down there and compete? That's what the NFL wants to see. They want to see guys that love football and competitive players. And, and there's no better venue than the Reese Senior Bowl. Um, when you do, you've got the whole NFL captured for a week down here. If, you, if you're looking for a job, this is like the ultimate job interview. Why wouldn't you be here? So long-windedly, to answer your question, uh, we do most of our recruiting through social media these days. Jim, I think most people, when they're watching the, the, the workouts during the week, the practices, they love to watch the O-line against the D-line drills. Um, you know, aside from the obvious, which is who wins the rep 1v1, you know, can you just sort of tell us, for those of us who are going to be watching the Senior Bowl, what are the kind of things that NFL scouts and coaches are looking for during those drills? Yeah, a couple different things, Rob. So, you know, one thing, when you get really up close on these drills, and that's why you know, for fans to come down here, it's different being up close. I mean, you can stand 10 feet from these drills. So just some of the sounds that like you can, when a guy has really heavy hands, whether it's an O-lineman or when he, when he places his hands on someone, like sometimes you can, you can hear it. Um, you can hear a guy that's got heavy hands and that's when you're just watching tape, you don't, you don't get that stuff. So there, so there's some of those things. And a lot of it is, is, is the mental makeup of a guy and the competitiveness and the mental toughness. And you see a guy when he gets beat because these, those drills, the O-line, D-line, those are, those are designed for the D-line to win. If you're, if you're an O-lineman and you're locking people up all week, I mean, that's, that's, that's really hard to do. So guys are going to lose, and they always take two reps back-to-back, and you want to see body language, and you want to see a guy's face. You, you, you want to check their facial expression and how they bounce back in that second rep, you know, and, and how do they battle. You know, just some of those things. You know, who's, who's getting after it, who's talking junk, and who's really competitive. I know – I can use this example last year, LJ Collier, the, the Seahawks first round pick. That's when Seattle really started to buy into LJ was, was down here in Mobile. He was so competitive, just getting after people and, you know, not running his mouth, but just, you know, being confident and get, you know, and that's, that's, that's what Seattle looks for. They want alpha males, you know, they want guys that can, that get after people and have some dog in them and, and, I remember last year, LJ was just getting after the, the offensive line group, you know, on his team, on the North team. And uh, Tom Cable stepped in and, like, said something to him. And he barked at Tom Cable. And it was awesome. 
I know that the Seattle guys were all looking at each other like, this guy's barking at cable. So it's, it's things like that. It's things you can't see on the tape that the guys are looking for. And a lot of it's just that little stuff, body language, facial expression, mental toughness, how they bounce back. And, and then, you know, sometimes coaches stop reps. You know, if an offensive lineman's bad with his hands or, you know, takes a bad set, you know, a coach will step in and he'll correct him before the second rep. And then you see how they apply that. Like, how do they apply coaching? Does it, does it go one in one ear and out the other? Or can they actually take what the coach just said and, and apply it the next rep? So it's really those little things. So, Jim, I know you're trying to recruit like the strongest position groups you can across the teams, but which groups do you especially think are the strongest going into this game? Yeah, this year's group, the wide receiver group is, is incredibly strong. I mean, everyone knows at the top of this year's draft, there are some juniors, you know, T. Higgins at Clemson and Jerry Judy at Alabama. But there, this, is, this senior class is loaded as well. Uh, there's a kid, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, who is a, is a great playmaker with the ball in his hands. You know, last year, Debo Samuel came down here from South Carolina. Anyone that watched that game last night saw perfectly what Debo's skill set is. And, and Brandon Ayuk is pretty similar, really explosive. Uh, you know, last year, Nikhil Harry got drafted in the first round out of there. His uh, Brandon's teammate. And Brandon's, Brandon's carrying better grades right now than, than Nikhil Harry was last year at this point. So I think he's going to go in the first round. You got you got Debo's teammate, Brian Edwards from South Carolina, who's the Gamecocks all-time leading receiver. You know, big, strong, aggressive. Uh, I know he's the kind of guy Seattle's going to like. I mean, he just he, he's a grown man. He plays on special teams. I was at the Alabama game this year, and just and just watching how physical and 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 what a dominant mindset he plays with was really impressive. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is a huge receiver from USC who had a monster year. He was a Blitnikoff finalist. So that receiver crew is really really strong. The linebacker group is is, is really good as well. You know, Zach Bond from Wisconsin. Josh Uche from Michigan. Those are probably two guys that not many draft fans at this point know about, but I promise by April, <laughs> they're going to know exactly who Zach Vaughn and Josh Uche are. They're both really versatile linebackers that can rush, they can cover. They're both kind of do-it-all guys. And then, uh, you know, I'd say the corner group is shaping up to be really strong. You know, you got Christian Fulton from LSU, who's probably going to be a first-round pick. Jeff Gladney from CCU, who's gonna, probably going to be a first-round pick. So we got a bunch of good receivers, a bunch of good corners. Uh, really across the board, this year's roster, like I said, we were very proud of last year with the 10 first-rounders and 40 guys in the first three rounds. But I really think this year's roster is even stronger. I really wanted to ask you about some of those guys you mentioned there, Jim. I got Josh Uche, uh, Zach Bourne, Ayuk at Arizona State, and also Nick Harris at Sense that I wanted to ask you about. Quickly on Uche and Bourne, do you see them potentially as players who can play at the line? Um, or are they guys who you sort of see more as... Uh, as linebackers who can drop in in a sub package and play up at the line of scrimmage can can sort of be the Sam Leo types, or are they guys who could potentially develop into players who could be full time pass rushers? What do you think? Yeah, for you know they're not your typical Leo um, that the that the Seahawks look for in terms of being a longer bodied guy. They're both probably in the six one and a half six two range, so they're going to be a little shorter. I think they're more off the ball linebackers. Um, but they both have natural pass rush ability. And, and like what Uche has for, for a guy who says he's, he's incredibly explosive. He's really powerful. Um, for a guy his size, he can take people right down the middle. And then in, in Bonds, it's got a great feel as a pass rusher, and he can turn the corner. So I think you're going to get pass rush out of both of them. But I, they're, they're guys, to me, like on first and second down, they're more off-the-ball backers. 
And then on third, you can, you can line them up, you know, and let them rip off the edge. So both those guys are going to make big names for themselves down here in the week. But for the, for the Seahawks, I see both those guys more as off the ball guys than Leo's. And with Nick Harris of Washington, the center, it does seem like there may be one or two juniors that are really going to help boost this this center class at the top of the draft. Is Nick Harris somebody who, you know, we saw last year, in particular with Bradbury moving up with his performance at the senior ball, is Harris somebody who could go to Mobile, have a similar impact and start to climb up boards as well? Yeah, I, that's a good question too. I think, I think he is. Um, you know, you mentioned Garrett Bradbury last year. We ended up with Five of our 10 first-rounders were O-linemen. A bunch of guys came down and really helped themselves. And again, this year's D-line crew is really good. So it's like Javon Kinlaw and Raekwon Davis and Leckie Fotu uh, from Utah. I mean, those guys, are, those guys are studs. So if Nick holds his own all week against those guys, yeah, he's going to shoot up. Nick is a guy that uh, when you see him physically, he doesn't look like a whole lot. You know, we, we joked last year with, with Hunter Renfro, the receiver from Clemson, who's now the starting slot for the Raiders. I joked with Hunter when he got here. I'm like, Hunter, you're probably going to lose weigh-ins, but you're, you're, you know, I know you're going to win the rest of the week. And that really was the case. I mean, Hunter doesn't look like much, but then you get him on a football field and you can't cover him. And, you know, Nick Harris is a guy that he's, he's not going to win the weigh-ins, but he's a really, really good football player. Uh, you know, great with his hands, really good initial quickness, can play at the second level. And when he gets on you, you're not going to get him off. Like he just, he's got, he's one of those guys that's got a knack for latching and, and holding on to people. So, to me, Nick, Nick's the guy that, uh, yeah, he, he's going to come down here and only go up. And, and the teams that the teams that just, like, really study the tape and how good this guy is, um, they're really going to buy into him because there's not too many offensive linemen where I'd say this. Um, I usually, they usually reserve this for other positions. But, like, Nick Harris is just fun to watch on tape. Like, I could sit there and watch Nick Harris tape all day because he, he's so technically sound. He's so tough. He just gets after people. He's kind of old school in the way he finishes blocks. Um, so yeah, UW's going to lose. They're losing a great player. I mean, I he's not he's not a household name yet, but by the end of this draft process, he's going to be starting in the NFL for somebody next year. I, I really believe that. And Jim, how much of a, a challenge is it for NFL teams to find good quality offensive linemen through the draft these days without necessarily having you know a top twenty pick, for example? And if it is a harder task these days, you know what are some of the things that teams are having to try and consider to bring players in? Because it seems a little bit like supply doesn't necessarily meet demand when it comes to the O line in the league. No, it, it doesn't. You know, and last year's group was last year's offensive line group was historically good class. Like just for instance. Our North squad last year, out of the 10 offensive linemen, nine of them went in the first three rounds. And uh, I can't ever remember. Uh, and I'm not taking any credit for that. That's just the way last year's class was. And we were lucky enough to get them all down here, and they bought in and competed. But uh, it is, it's getting much harder. I think what you're seeing right now, though, is a little bit um, – I think the league, league-wide, you're seeing the league go a little more to more, more college concepts. So – you know, from about 2005 to 2015, I'd say like that 10-year run, you know, the college game was getting so much more spread and, and linemen, you know, weren't even getting in three-point. They weren't even putting their hand in the dirt anymore. You know, so you never saw anyone come off the ball and really get into people um, and do a lot of the same things in the run game that, that they're asked to do at the pro level. So it really was hard. I know that uh, you heard for years Tom Cable would, would, would talk about that around draft time. And, and he was right. He was, he was, Tom was absolutely right. Um, but I do think the league's going a little more, a little more of a pass-heavy thing. I think they're being more open-minded with some of the RPO stuff and some of the stuff these college offensive linemen are doing. So 
again, you just have to be open-minded. You know, you really, that's the one thing the Seattle scouting staff does a great job of. They're open-minded and you just got to look at these guys and really look at what they are. You know, what's their physical potential? Just because they're asked to do something in college, you know, doesn't mean they can't do something in the pros. So, you know, just because a guy doesn't get in a three-point doesn't, you know, doesn't mean he can't be a good run blocker. I, I always use the example from last year's game, Andre Dillard from Washington State. You know, that, that kid lined up in a two-point stance his entire career, and then you watched him down here on Tuesday, and the run game stuff was not good at all. Wednesday it got a little, a little better. Thursday it was better. And then in the game, I mean, it looked like Andre Dillard had been coming off the ball for years. So um, that's the value for these offensive linemen is coming to the Senior Bowl and actually being coached by an NFL staff. And then they can really show the NFL in, in like a four or five day exposure, you know, where they're going. So like Andre was trending up so much. That's why it didn't shock me at all. He ended up going 22nd overall to the, to the Eagles because he got so much better just in the five days down here. Um, you know, you saw where he was going, but it is, that's, that's getting to be a really, that's a tough conversion for those guys. Well, Jim, I really want to thank you for coming on, joining us, breaking down the Senior Bowl, talking about the Seahawks game. If people want to follow you and and stay up with all the news, I know as a as an Oklahoma Sooners graduate and fan, you know I'm I'm going to be watching for more names uh, coming from my Oklahoma team. You know, Big Canada, Neville Gallimore. You know, I I expect at least one more guy to come out from Oklahoma. But uh, if if people want to follow along, uh, where do they go? Yeah, they can follow me. I'm on. It uh, sounds weird to say this because in scouting, you're, I, I never even had a social media account when I was in the NFL. But uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, at Jim Nagy underscore SB for Senior Bowl. You know, I'm, I'm unfortunately on there a lot more than I probably want to be, but that's just the nature of the beast when we're trying to recruit players that way. And I'm with you on the Oklahoma thing. Hopefully, we'll be getting word on uh, at least one more Oklahoma guy this week. Now that they've uh, now that they've finished up their season. And then for the Senior Bowl, the Senior Bowl Twitter is uh, just at Senior Bowl. Thanks once again for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, anytime, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate Jim coming on in the weeks leading up to the Senior Bowl. I know it's a little early to be looking ahead to the draft, especially with playoff football coming up this weekend. But as the Senior Bowl gets closer... I'm not sure we're able to make that happen otherwise. So very cool to hear the perspective on some local guys from a former Seahawks scout and a few names to look at at wide receiver and in the linebacker core, among others. Also, a big thanks to Rob Staten of Seahawks Draft Blog for joining me for the interview. Follow Rob at Rob Staten, R-O-B-S-T-A-T-O-N. And I'm sure Rob will be jumping on more as we lead up to the Senior Bowl, then the Scouting Combine and all the way to the NFL Draft. And with Wild Card Weekend coming up against the Eagles, I'm looking forward to having Michael Kist back on the show later this week from Bleeding Green Nation to preview the rematch and talk about what's changed since the Seahawks last went on the road for that 17-9 victory in Philadelphia. If you're not already, please subscribe to the show. Get the episodes as soon as they are released. SBNation.com slash NFL Podcasts. Plenty more Seahawks talk on the way. Talk to you again soon. Go Hawks!